From AccuWeather.com, this is AccuWeather Daily, a brief host-read article. It's weather news in a nutshell. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. From AccuWeather.com, this is AccuWeather Daily, a brief host-read article. It's weather news in a nutshell. The surprise 1938 hurricane that killed 700 in its path and nearly killed actress Katherine Hepburn is today's focus as AccuWeather's Adriana Navarro writes about that in today's AccuWeather Daily for Thursday, September 22nd. 1938 was anything but a quiet year. Tensions were mounting in Europe, persecution of the Jews in Germany was escalating, and the Spanish government was nearing the brink of collapse amid the Spanish Civil War. In the U.S., a 450-ton meteorite exploded in the skies over Pennsylvania. The Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act was signed into law, and U.S. President Franklin D. Roosevelt announced the nation would remain neutral in the event of German aggression toward Czechoslovakia. And in the Atlantic Basin, a hurricane originally thought to have been setting course for Florida instead veered northward to make a rare landfall, left devastation in its wake, and nearly claimed the life of an iconic Hollywood actress. With no radar, weather buoys, or satellite imagery, forecasters relied on ships at sea to provide reports, and in September, a Brazilian freighter alerted the U.S. Weather Bureau, the predecessor of the National Weather Service, of the storm, which at that point, was turning northeast of Puerto Rico. Back in those days, there were many active shipping lanes off the East Coast and through the Caribbean, AccuWeather senior meteorologist Brett Anderson said. They knew there was a hurricane east of the Bahamas, but they underestimated the storm's strength and especially the forward speed. The hurricane rapidly accelerated to the north at 50 miles per hour, which was rare. Florida residents braced for impact, with most forecasts pointing to southeastern Florida as the point of landfall. The New York Times reported that waterfront properties had battened down, public buildings were readied to serve as shelters, and properties were boarded up to protect against debris. But no storm arrived. Hurricane veering from Florida may keep on its course out to sea, read one Associated Press headline printed in the New York Times on September 20th the day before the storm was expected to make landfall over Florida. Instead, the Category 3 hurricane skirted up the eastern seaboard and slammed into Long Island before making a second landfall over Milford, Connecticut. The storm struck without warning, AccuWeather chief meteorologist Jonathan Porter said. His grandfather, Sebastian Serrato, had grown up in New London, Connecticut, and Porter recalled him speaking in detail and with strong emotions about how terrifying the experience had been. He always commented about how quickly the damaging winds increased. People were caught off guard as they were coming home from work or school, with trees falling all around them. Up to 700 people were estimated to have died as a result of the storm. Due to the rapid forward speed, 
This hurricane ended up impacting the Northeast much earlier than expected, catching almost everyone off guard, Anderson said. A significant dip in the jet stream over the Ohio Valley turned the steering winds, which had previously been from southwest to a northeast direction and away from the U.S., to a south-to-north direction, sending the storm into Long Island, he explained. Clearly, there was a lack of storm data since it was out over the open ocean and poor communication was key in this case, Anderson said. At a forward speed of 47 miles per hour, the hurricane hit hard and fast with maximum sustained winds of 120 miles per hour, which produced monstrous waves and three to seven inches of rainfall. Blue Hill Observatory in Massachusetts recorded a max wind gust of 186 miles per hour, and across the Northeast, the hurricane's punishing winds destroyed approximately 2 billion trees, according to the National Weather Service. In Old Saybrook, Connecticut, then 31-year-old actress Catherine Hepburn, her mother, and their maid took cover in the family's Fenwick vacation home as strong winds and a dark sky heralded the oncoming storm. A severe storm watch had been issued, but it had made no mention of the approaching hurricane, according to the biography, Catherine Hepburn, a remarkable woman. The cottage was nestled on an open promontory between the Long Island Sound and the Connecticut River, which proved to be disastrous as water levels began to rise. The three made a break for a neighbor's home before the cottage was swept away. With power and phone lines down, Hepburn fought her way through the raging wind and rain to the town's main street and nearest working phone to tell her father what had become of the house. It was something devastating and unreal, like the beginning of the end of the world, or the end of it, and I slogged and sloshed, crawled through ditches and hung on to keep going somehow, got drenched and bruised and scratched, completely bedraggled. Finally, got to where there was a working phone and called Dad. Hepburn, who died in 2003, recounted. Less than 50 miles southwest of Old Saybrook, some 50 oceanfront homes at West Hampton Beach, Long Island, were reportedly swept into the ocean, according to the New York Times. Eight bodies were recovered that night, and another 60 people had been reported missing. According to the paper, family members of then-Supreme Court Justice John H. McCuey Jr. and former District Attorney Thomas C.T. Crane were among those rescued. The high waters temporarily turned the hamlet of Montauk, New York, into an island, and water rose seven inches within 30 minutes in New York Harbor, according to the National Weather Service. The storm made its first landfall in the northeast near Bellport, New York, on the afternoon of September 21st, killing roughly 60 people on Long Island alone and injuring hundreds of others. It destroyed farms, killed livestock, and downed 20,000 miles of power and telephone lines. It also carved out 10 new inlets into the peninsula from Fire Island to East Hampton, the most notable being Shinnecock Inlet, according to the National Weather Service. After cutting through Long Island, the unnamed hurricane roared ashore in southern Connecticut between Bridgeport and New Haven around 4 p.m., still a Category 3 hurricane with maximum sustained winds of 115 miles per hour. It was there where hundreds of lives were lost as the powerful winds barraged the area and the storm tide, the combination of storm surge and the tide, rose to record levels. The 1938 New England hurricane struck during a high tide, producing storm tides of 14 to 18 feet across most of the Connecticut coast. Porter recalled his grandfather talking about tremendous storm surge flooding in southeastern Connecticut, with National Weather Service records 
saying storm tides rose from 18 to 25 feet from New London eastward to Cape Cod. I also remember when I was a kid seeing many older buildings in the particularly hard-hit Providence, Rhode Island, with high watermark signs indicating how high the water was during the 1938 hurricane, and being struck by how high the water was, imagining the downtown core of Providence under that depth of water, Porter said. Downtown Providence was swallowed by a nearly 20-foot storm tide, and parts of Falmouth and New Bedford, Massachusetts, were submerged under as much as eight feet of water. The tides rose within one and a half hours of the highest watermark for all three locations. The 1938 Long Island Express hurricane certainly would not be the last to impact the Northeast, with Hurricane Carroll slamming into Long Island and then Connecticut in 1954 as a Category 3 hurricane. To protect Providence from future tropical cyclones, the Fox Point Hurricane Barrier, a 3,000-foot-long tidal flood barrier, was built. Construction on the barrier began in 1960, and it was completed in 1966. Spanning across the Providence River, it provides protection to the city from storm surges in Narragansett Bay. According to Porter, the bay's shape and depth make it especially capable of amplifying storm surge impacts. That's it for today. For your local forecast at your fingertips, download the AccuWeather app or visit AccuWeather.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.